that discerned listener decides when the time for critique is right. Mm. Just because you have a critique in your head doesn't mean you need to say it. Yep. You should only be saying it under certain circumstances. Yep. If someone has asked you for critique, you can yes, give it now. Absolutely. You've been given permission to give them that critique or that feedback. Or if it is a high stakes, mm. dire situation, yep. Life or death. give it. Yep. If someone's going to get hurt, if brand reputation is going to be tarnished, yep. if something unethical is about to happen, speak up. Yep. That's the time. But when we've coached discern listeners on when to pull back, it's the recognition that, oh, just because I have a response doesn't mm. mean I have to give it. I'm going to tuck that one away. I'm going to write it on my sticky note. Hey, what's up, Releader family? Thanks so much for joining us today. Whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on the platform of your choice, we're honored that you're here. And our goal in this podcast is to give you content that encourages you, that challenges you, uh, and makes you a better Releader because you're trying to fix things you didn't break. And today, I've got a couple of guests with us. But before I do, I want to just remind you one more time, my book is out. It's called Releader, How to Fix What You Didn't Break. You can grab that on Amazon if you buy it. Uh, give it a review. It helps the algorithms. It helps it get out there more. So um, if you if this podcast is helping you, post about it on social media. Uh, today, I've got a couple of guests that I am so excited about this conversation that I really want to jump right into it because it's, it's going to make us all better re-leaders. And so uh, let me just introduce them with official bios, and then we're just going to chop it up, okay? So our guests are Nicole Lowenbraun and Dr. Megan Stevens, all right? Uh, Nicole has a master's in communication. She's a speech-language pathologist and a business communications expert. Uh, she coaches and writes for thousands of clients, most of whom sit atop Fortune 100 companies. And Nicole is coming to us from Brooklyn, New York. Nicole, we're so excited that you're here. Thanks for Thank being here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Uh, Megan uh, has a PhD in communication studies from the University of Texas and has earned her 10,000 plus hours of communications expert, uh, communication consultant for individuals and teams and the world's top brands. She has written and coached Fortune 50 executives, uh, TED Talk speakers, startup founders, aspiring leaders, and I found out that you're also a Peloton rider. I am an enthusiast, if you will. I'm on the Peloton. Okay, we gotta, we gotta gonna compete. Connect. We gotta compete on the Peloton. <laughs> and she uh, lives in San, San Jose, California. We've got both coasts covered today, and I'm so excited to chop it up and have this conversation with you guys. Uh, these two gals, if I can say that word, I'm from Texas, so we use words like gals. I love the word gals. Okay. I love it. They co-wrote a book um, that I am convinced is central to what we talk about on this podcast as re-leaders. And so I want to I want to jump right into it today. But first, just thank you guys for being on the podcast. Thanks for reaching out. I mean, this is going to be a great conversation. Uh, Nicole and I have had a chance to listen to some of your shows and nice. given us uh, some instincts on, I'm a re-leader. I didn't even realize it until I started listening. I took over a team that what? I didn't build. And so this is pretty cool for me. That's amazing. I love that. Well, what I have found is that the majority of leaders are re-leaders. Very few people are Steve Jobs, right? Very few people start up and get going. Most people are trying to fix what they didn't break or trying to continue what they didn't build, right? So that's that's awesome. That's so cool. Um, these guys wrote a book, and I just want to go ahead and give the name of it, and, and 
we're going to show it um, in post-production. We'll put some stuff up and we'll put links to it in our show notes and stuff. But the name of the book is Adaptive Listening. And the subtitle is How to Cultivate Trust and Traction at Work. And so I'm instantly intrigued because of this word, adaptive listening. Um, a lot of times we talk about in leadership that we want to be leaders that can adapt, right? There may be times that I need to be an authoritarian, more of an authoritative leader. There may be times I need to be more of an empathetic leader. Um, I love the concept of this of when it comes to listening and, and how we can actually adapt in that way. And so first before, there's so many things, like I got pages of notes I want to ask, but I really want to just start by saying, how did this come up? Like you guys got together, decided to write a book together. What necessitated this book? There are two reasons this book came about. One was during the pandemic, the the leaders that we coached, these Fortune 100 leaders were coming to us and they were saying, Nicole and Megan, you're executive speaker coaches. What can we say to our people in this moment to be there for them? Everybody, the entire world was going through a crisis yep. and these smart leaders wanted to be there for their people. And we said, that's great. We can give you some crisis comms, some things to say to them. We can help you work on your expressive communication but are you also listening to them? Wow. And a lot of them thought <laughs> it, it either didn't occur to them or they said, well, of course we are. We, you know, we, we right. put our notifications away. We nod our heads. We smile. We make eye contact with these people. And we said, uh-huh, that's the bare minimum. It's not enough. Right. So we were getting that information from our clients. But Megan and I also realized, you know, we're, we're a client facing, a customer facing company. And we work with brands that ask us to, you know, help them improve their communication. So we've got a, a multifaceted collaborative team from Duarte on the line talking to these customers, gathering information. We are all listening. We are all paying attention. But we realized when we'd regroup after these client meetings internally that, oh my gosh, we are all listening differently. And wow. it created some tension. It created mistrust, missed opportunity, misalignment, missed deadlines in some mm. cases, because we were all listening differently than we had to for the person speaking. Wow. And so we thought, if we're having a problem internally at Duarte and our customers are having a problem then that means the world needs a better model for listening in the workplace. We just don't have actionable, memorable models hmm. for listening. Wow. That's so good. I, I think um, I think we're always, as leaders, we always think we have to have, I think the, the, the typical feeling that we feel as leaders is that we have to have all the answers, right? We have all the answers and we got to have, we got to know what to say, know how to say it, inflection, direction, vision, all these things. And which employs you guys because you're communication experts. But at the same time, without good listening, can we really communicate? And I, I just think it's so good. I think um, most of us, for most of us, we're, we're familiar with a term called active listening. And that's kind of the, the more famous one, right? That's been famous since the 60s. And I think I, uh, in 1957, actually, I studied this and I looked this up. In 1957, Carl Rogers and Richard Farson coined the term active listening, to try to get inside the speaker and try to understand what they're saying and actively, you guys took that a whole nother step, a whole nother layer. Uh, tell us about what that is and how you guys went, went down to one layer deeper. Really what you did is you peeled the layer of that onion way one back one further to really give us almost as identities. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what type of listener I am in a little while. Cause I took the test and I'm, I'm, uh, spot on like 100% spot on. 
So how did you guys, Megan, tell us about how you guys took that kind of another layer. You know, when we talk to people, of course, active listening comes up. But when you think about what do you contrast active listening with, it's always passive listening or not listening. Hmm. We're talking with adults in the workplace who know you have to listen. We have not met one person who said, listening doesn't matter. I don't need to listen. Never mind. I never listen to anybody. I try really hard not to listen. Right. Everyone already knows they're supposed to listen. So I think active listening did its job for the last many decades hmm. that got us realizing, hey, focus, be in it, pay attention, don't get distracted. Now you're in active listening. But then when we realized there are many different ways to listen to help someone achieve the goal that they have. Hmm. Sometimes I need a shoulder to cry on or even a shoulder to whine on. That is a different <laughs> type of listening that we have a product launch tomorrow. Huh. We need to make sure we hit all of the deadlines. We need to make sure nothing's wrong. I'm going to listen in a very different way when that right. happens. Right. And so to Nicole's earlier point, that's where the struggle was happening internally. Everyone was paying attention. Hmm. Everyone was even taking notes. Everyone was non-distracted, and yet we're walking away with difference. And that was a problem. We cannot hit our goals. We cannot hit the ambitious goals as an organization we have set if we're all listening differently. So we thought, okay, baseline, don't be a passive listener, be an active listener. But how do you be the right kind of listener mm. at the right moment at the right time? And that's where we introduce adaptive listening to say table stakes. You're mm. in it. You're focused. But now... There are four different things someone might need from you when they are speaking. Wow. And it really is an empathetic way to think about listening. You are showing up for someone else. If there's not a speaker, you have nothing to do as a listener. Mm. So it's not about you. It's about them. Hmm. We interviewed and tested with hundreds of people and said, we know there's great listeners in your life. What do they do that makes them so good? That's good. Yeah. And every time the answer was, they help me get my job done. Wow. They help me when I need it. They give me what I need. Hmm. And so that's when we were able to categorize. There's four things people need when they're speaking to you. They either need you to support them, mm -hmm. give them an opportunity to allow them to have an emotional moment and validate that emotion. Or they need you to advance for them, help them get unstuck, move people, process projects forward. Or they want you to immerse. They want you to understand and remember the information, even if there's nothing for you to do with that information yeah. right now. Yep. Or they want you to discern. They want you to poke holes and find red flags and think about how this does or doesn't match established criteria. So those four take up all the things someone wants from you. What we found is there are already people in the world who are great at one of those four. Yep. So there is a said, because if you put the letters in order, it makes said, yep. said listening goal. And you as a listener have a said listening style. Yep. You either listen to support or advance or immerse or discern by default. And that's what brings us to that style finder that you took. So yep. tell us, what type of listener <laughs> are you? <laughs> so um, you know, I was going to say guess, but you don't know me. So you don't know. I, I, would, I, I will say this, though. I would presume that most leaders are probably what I am. I'm making an assumption here. And I, and I mean like high capacity CEO type visionary leaders. Uh, my Enneagram is an eight, if that tells you anything. Um, and <laughs> yeah. so I'm an advanced listener. Um, and so spot on, and, and I guess it can be a strength and a weakness, right? So I guess you take anything to an extreme, it can be a, a strength or a weakness. 
to let me just on on you guys wrote the book not me but I'm assuming something and you guys can tell me I'm wrong. I would assume that the good side of advanced is I'm moving the organization forward. I'm making quick decisions. We can move quickly. We can make advancements. Hence the time advanced listener. The the downside of that is I can become too advanced to where I'm not really listening. I'm not I'm not hearing what you're saying. I'm thinking about what I'm going to say back. Um, and I'm guilty of that, right? Probably guilty of that during this podcast <laughs> when someone else is talking. Um, so I I am I am, that's where I fall under. It, do you guys see that in in each one of these? And I want to back up. We'll go over them again too, one by one. But do you guys see that that there is a a strength in each one and taken to an extreme, there's a weakness in each one. Is that fair to say? That's absolutely right. We need all four types of listeners in an organization. They all bring tremendous value. The question is, are you doing the right type of listening at the right time for the right person in the right situation? Hmm. So just because you're an advanced listener, that doesn't mean you're good at it. It doesn't mean that you are doing it at the right time for the right person. It also means you're potentially neglecting the other types of listening that your direct reports or your fellow leaders need you to do for them. Um, There are also, yeah, there sort of pitfalls or cautions that we have to consider with each type of listening style. So for advanced listeners, for example, there is a danger in you rushing other people because you are so focused on results. You are so uh, focused on on this sense of urgency as you perhaps should be as a leader. But sometimes that could make people feel like like you're rushing them. Um, It could also come across like you're, um, you know, there's a sense of urgency and people don't have a chance to contribute. You could actually leave people out in a Mm brainstorm, for example, if you're yep. you know, on to the next steps, let's move That's on. Right. And other people who don't have a fast acting brain like you might don't get a chance to contribute, well, then you're not establishing trust and connection with the yep. people you work with. And that's a problem. Yeah. So all four of those listening styles have characteristics that bring value, and they also have cautions to, to keep in mind. I, I want to back up just for a second and then fast forward back to where we currently are. I want to back up in the educator side of me. So I have a background in higher education. Uh, my doctorate's in university administration, and you guys are both highly educated. I want to go back a little bit to to the conception of this. And what I what I heard uh, Megan say is that there was some we interviewed tons of people. So we're talking about qualitative research, right? What other did was there some quantitative? Was there surveys? What what other types of? Because I it's a brilliant survey. It's it kind of goes along. I, I love anytime we can take um, thinking lifestyles, all those sort of things, and contextualize them down into a categories like what you guys have done. It's similar to like the love languages, you know? Are you are you like like that or or an enneagram or any of those things? I, I love it. I absolutely love it. How did you guys formulate those? What kind of research was done on the back end? Was it mostly qualitative, interviewing people, hundreds of people, like you said, or was there other components to it? As you took that style finder, you're probably in the 10th iteration of it because that was our quantitative data source that we used for testing. So we did the interviews, came up with some hypotheses, and then asked hundreds of people to take a version of it. And then we sat down with them and said, our results would have put you in these categories good or bad? Right. Why is it working? Why is it not working? What's Mm. Okay. And then we'd run away 
revise Redo them, it. recategorize, and bring another set of people in and That's say, so take good. it. Now let us ask you, does this fit you? Does it not fit you? Yeah. And so I think what was unique is that a lot of those uh, psychometrics, like love languages or personality styles or Enneagram, they are really introspective on the person first. We wanted to start with the other person, the speaker. We mm -hmm. wanted to be more empathetic. So we really did start with what do people in the workplace need from a listener? Mm. Now let's figure out who's really good at that already. Now let's try to quantify which type someone is based on these scenarios that you come across in the style finder. So it really was the combination of both of those, plus just some in-depth research into the history of listening. We too started with active listening. And then we looked at other styles that exist. We're not the first people to come up with listening styles. But what we keep finding is other people go, what? I didn't know there were listening styles out there. I know. We need wow. to make sure more people understand that this exists. And we worked hard to put it in something that was memorable. That's why it's in the acronym SAID, because you're always listening to what's said or even what's not said. A model only works for a re-leader if they can grab it quickly in the yep. flow of business. A model doesn't work if I have to, ah, I can't remember, wait, oh, yep. let me find it. It won't work for you. You have to be able to quickly yeah, diagnose, an have an action plan, and move forward. So let's go back over those one more time. Either one of you, y'all can y'all can do two each or whatever you want to do, but let's go over the said one more time. It's the supportive listener, advanced listener, immerse listener, and discern listener. And um, you to you do it, do it however you want, but let's go over them again. And it's it, it's I just want to I want to drill this down to my listeners that it's the acronym said. And I want to go through these and kind of just give us some indicators of each of those so that our listeners can identify. They're like, yep, that's me. That's me. That's me. And then I'm going to go somewhere with that after that. So let's let's unpack those a little bit a little bit more. Absolutely. And uh, I'll, I'll just make a note to the listeners. Note that it's possible for you to be more than one style. Right. So if you, as you're listening, you say, "Woo, I think I'm a little bit of a support listener, but also a little bit of an advanced listener, that's totally fine yep. and, and perfectly normal. And in fact, hey, if you... If you default to two different styles, then even maybe better. you even have a, a leg up, right? That's right. Yeah. Even better. Again, doesn't mean you know how to do them at the right way at the right time, but hey, you're familiar with them and you're using them. So that's yeah. cool. Uh, I'll take the first two. So the S in said is support listener. Support listeners focus on the speaker's emotion. They are less concerned about what's being said and more concerned mm. with validating the feelings of the speaker. So they're constantly thinking, how is this person feeling? Are are they celebrating a work win? Are they commiserating? Do I need to be there for them to be, as Megan said earlier, a shoulder to whine on? Yep. So they're constantly focused on that people aspect. Hmm. That being said, there are some cautions there because support listeners can neglect themselves and their own contributions in mm. favor of others. That's a problem in a brainstorm, for example, where, you know, people need to contribute as well as listen, as well as cheer on their others. Speaking of cheering on others, another uh, cautionary tale for support listeners is sometimes they excessively cheerlead. Mm. Sometimes there are people <laughs> at work who need a, hey, that's great. And that's all. Yeah. They don't need constant verbal reinforcement. They're ready to just move on. And, you know, for people who aren't as emotions based, because yep. we all None of us are robots. We all have emotions, but some bring them more to work than others. It can be irritating for some people to, you know, have that constant cheerleading. Perhaps that's not their love language. Hmm. 
So that's the gist of support. Uh, I will also say that we have found that every single interaction requires at least some level of support. So it would behoove you all if you take that said listening style finder and you discover that you are not a support listener. You can work on that right off the bat because we have found that every interaction, even if it's just a well done or that's awesome, yep. every interaction requires at least a beat of it. So that's an important. That's great. Uh, moving on to advanced listeners. So advanced listeners prioritize I'm forward I'm momentum. <laughs> as you know, which is very important as a leader. They have a sense of urgency. They want results. They want them to happen quickly. They often connect contexts in situations. So Megan is an advanced listener too, and she uses this example. She'll be in a meeting and someone will come up with a great idea and her advanced brain goes, oh my gosh, I see how that could be applied to something else. Yep. And so they're not only thinking about how do I move this conversation forward, this situation forward, but how can I do this same thing with others and replicate that in mm. other areas? They can come across as really urgent and rush the group, as we said earlier. They can also come across as insanely impatient if there are other <laughs> listeners in the group who need more time to process yep, or that's me. who think, um, you know, I, I need more time before I can contribute. Those advanced listeners sometimes bulldoze those people, frankly, and, and they can cut in and interrupt because yep. they have such an interest in 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 a fast pace when others don't. Yep. So others can feel left out because of that. Yep. This is accurate. <laughs> <laughs> so I love you. that. Me too. Yeah. Uh, the third letter in set is I, and that stands for immerse listener. Immerse listeners prioritize content. So they want to get in the nitty gritty. They want to get in the details. These might be our most cerebral of all the listeners mm. because they want to ask the follow-up probing, clarifying questions. They want to make sure nothing was left off the table, that they understand all of those pieces. Now, that's great for someone to get the entire context, the full picture, the deep dive, but it's not always great if the rest of the group has moved past that stage. Yeah. If everybody else is trucking along and they're over here trying to take us back to gain that context setting information. So immersed listeners run the risk of stopping the momentum of a group that's already ready to move forward. Uh, immersed listeners also can sometimes appear disengaged. Their listening face might be looking out the window and thinking <laughs> or being super consumed with their notes, tight, writing out everything that's happening, never looking back to the person that's speaking to them. And that could cause your, your speakers or your audience to wonder, are they even paying attention to me? Because they don't look hmm. like they're engaged with you because they are so engaged with mentally making sure they remember and understand all of the information. And so that's a caution to watch out for if you're an immersed listener. And it's something that at Duarte, we've spotted in some of our own immersed listeners that it looks like you're not paying attention to me. And they say, I could tell you every single word you just said. Wow. Oh, so there's some increase in listening tolerance for other listening differences once you start to learn what other people's listening styles are. Our fourth one is discern. That's their D in the said model. So our discern listeners prioritize evaluation. These are the people looking for the critique doing the balance scales of justice of, is this a good idea or is this a bad idea? Uh, often there is criteria that our discerned listeners have in their head for what would meet the minimum or what would what would hit the goal. 
And they might not say it out loud, but it's there. So when they're intaking information and processing, they're comparing against structures that already exist in their head. And then that's often comes up in a response that sounds like a critique or a criticism. Uh, What about or did you think about or I got to stop you right there. Those are our discern listeners. So they they would be more. They would. Sorry to interrupt you, Megan. Would they be more of the more of the um, quote unquote devil's advocate guy? I, I would think that person probably becomes the most demonized the the most often because they the way they present it sometimes is they're always negative right that's their they're they're not trying to be but they're seen as quote unquote negative but they're really not that's just the way they listen that's so good absolutely and we need them right absolutely. however if that's all you do all the time yeah. you're going to get a reputation we were working with one re-leader who joined an organization's leadership team and she told us a story about how there was an, another leader there who was basically eeyore from winnie the pooh any hmm. idea that came out was <laughs> wah, wah, not gonna work never gonna downer. happen can't go and she was just it seemed so counter to the culture of the organization she hmm. joined that she was jolted by it and And then she started not looking forward to interactions with that leader Mm. because of that negativity, because it was stalling the group in a different way from our immersed listener. Our immersed listener is stalling because they want more details. Mm. Our discerned listeners could stall because they think the idea is not good enough or it's never going to work, even when the rest of the group is ready to move on with the decision that's been made. So how how should that listener adapt, so to speak, to make sure that what they're saying is coming across not as always... Debbie Downer, like, is are there ways that so can Nicole is it? a discern listener? Okay, and this okay. is fun because Nicole and I, you know, writing a book together and working on a body of work for three years, I spent more time with Nicole than I spent with my husband. I mean, Nicole and I are intimately involved. <laughs> You're ready to go to the next chapter, point. but she wanted to pick apart the current <laughs> chapter. That's I, I mean, bingo. Listener, I'm like, here's an idea. Write it down. And yep. Nicole would say, stop it. I don't think it's good enough. Mm-hmm. How <laughs> oh, dare man. you suggest but gosh, that my this idea is so, isn't this good is enough? So <laughs> this is at the core of so much conflict, right? Like how many, right. how much drama, how much conflict could be resolved if we only listened the way that our the, the 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 speaker needed to be heard, so to speak, you know, yeah. it's so good. I love this. I love and this. To your question, what does that discern listener do? That discern listener decides when the time for critique is right. Mm. Just because you have a critique in your head doesn't mean you need to say it. Yep. You should only be saying it under certain circumstances. Yep. If someone has asked you for critique, you can yes, give it now. Absolutely. You've been given permission to give them that critique or that feedback. Or if it is a high stakes, mm. dire situation, yep, life or death. Give it. Yep. If someone's going to get hurt, if brand reputation is going to be tarnished, yep. if something unethical is about to happen, speak up. Yep. That's the time. But when we've coached discern listeners on when to pull back, it's the recognition that oh, just because I have a response doesn't mm. mean I have to give it. I'm going to tuck that one away. I'm going to write it on my sticky note. It's the same (laughs) technique I use as an advanced listener. When I'm in a meeting and I find an idea that can port over to a different department or a different product, I don't say it in that meeting anymore. I write it in my notebook and I take it to that group because it's not serving the speakers who are in with me in that moment. Timing is everything, right? And and leaders, key leaders don't like to be called out in front of everybody. So let's say I'm, I'm the leader and I have this idea and everybody in the room's excited about it. And the discerned listener is like, well, I see this problem, this problem, this problem, this problem. If if that's brought out in the wrong timing or in the wrong way, 
it, it can make that lead, it can feed on that leader's insecurities and they may feel demonized a little bit. So it's just, you're right. The timing is everything. It, right on a sticky note, a go meet with that leader tomorrow and say, hey, these are three concerns I have privately. That's so good. I love that. Um, one thing I wanted to, to chat about is to, to now that we know what those are, um, I'm already thinking I want to have all my staff take this test. Like this, this is this is brilliant. Um, I know organizations that um, have all of their staff take, say, Myers Briggs. Um, we have all of our staff take something called Life Languages. We've done that in the past, and this one organization I have in mind, they make all their staff take Myers Briggs. And then on their office doors, under their name tag, under their nameplate, it literally tells what their Myers Briggs uh, uh, personality style is. So that when they're walking into their office, they can look at it and say, "Okay, this is how I need to approach this person." I could see something like that being very beneficial in this light, where if if I knew the type of listener that I was going in to see. I would I would be able to adapt, right? I need to be able to adapt. And I love the 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 idea of adaptive listening, that as a leader, I need to know the person I'm talking to. And as a listener, I need to know the person I'm listening to so that I can adapt in that. What are what are ways that we can adapt? Or why is it that like here's the the advanced listener in me? Why can't everybody just be an advanced <laughs> listener? Because we could get a lot more accomplished. This is a no-brainer, right? Everybody just yeah. do what I do listen the way I listen, drive the way I drive, and we'll go from point A to point Z really, really fast. But why is that really bad? Because I can see the importance of if I'm building my team, if I'm building a leadership team around me, if we have a bunch of advanced listeners, but we have nobody that's discerning, we have nobody that's immersing, how this could really get us out of balance, how important is that? Bingo. I, I love this question. But first, I want to make a clarification because this is a common misconception when it comes to adaptive listening. Mm -hmm. It is unlike um, Myers-Briggs or SDI in a fundamental way. Mm -hmm. Just because I am a discern listener by default, that is my said listening style, that doesn't necessarily mean that I want other listeners to listen the way that I listen. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that every time I interact with Megan, I want her to be a discern listener just yep. because I am. That's good. And so that's a common misconception. Putting discern listener on my door might help other people recognize, okay, when Nicole has this, you know, skeptical, you know, inquisitive <laughs> face on, it's because she's a discern listener by default. Gotcha. So understanding other people's listening styles helps build tolerance for listening differences. Hmm. It doesn't necessarily tell you how to listen to others, if, gotcha. if that makes sense. That totally makes sense. And that One is a different thing Yeah. It's a, yeah, and it, and it's it's a common misconception that we um, we go through pretty deeply in the book because I think it, we are all familiar with these psychometrics and and they do overlap in a lot of ways, but that yeah. that is a big difference. That's great. Um, you know, one thing that I think re-leaders do often is they go on listening tours. Hmm rightfully so, right? And their job there is to gather a lot of information so that they can then probably advance and, and take action and fix things. But it's not only about action. In order to get momentum and to have everybody buy into taking action, 
you also have to give them the support they need. You have to immerse in the things that they're telling you. And you might have to guide them to help them fix their own problems, which discern listening would would require. Mm. So I, I think when re-leaders go on those listening tours, of course, they're going to have their own agendas. But the best thing they can do is also think, okay, when I'm listening to this person, yes, I'm gathering information so I can be the best re-leader possible. But I can also ask myself, what does this person speaking need from me right now in this moment as a leader? And it's not always to advance. It's just not. Mm, that's good. Uh, so if if they can, you know, consider their goals, but also consider the goals of their employees, that's that's going to be a healthy balance. So speak to the while you're on that topic, Nicole, speak to the idea of balance on the team. Is it important to have mm-hmm. different people on your team with different you know, predominant listening styles and how would that impact a team if we were all the same versus we were all different? You know, you mentioned your Enneagram. And one of the things about Enneagram coaching is you're not just supposed to know your style. You're supposed to integrate into the other styles so Mm. that you can be fully incomplete. Um, I am an Enneagram 3, and I've worked for over a year with an Enneagram coach who said, Megan, one day someone should not be able to tell your style because you're so integrated. It doesn't mean you lose who you are. It just means it doesn't become so obvious. And that blew my mind. Oh, man. Okay. Listening is the same way. We want you to be an adaptive listener Hmm. who knows how to pull on the right type of listening at the right time. So in that parallel, a fully integrated or a fully adaptive listener knows how to say, "Mm, I'm not advancing now. That's That's not what's needed of me. Um, I'm Nicole's leader. Nicole is one of my direct reports. I would say even though she's a discerned listener, most of our interactions, she needs my support listening. Hmm. She wants to vent about something someone else screwed up. Yeah. She wants to be like, right? Aren't they crazy? And they are. I'm with the girl. How <laughs> yeah. dare they? That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes she wants me to advance because there's some structural problem that is above her pay grade yeah. that she cannot solve. Yep. So I can come in and go, I can throw my weight around. That's I good. can spend some of my capital and get that thing fixed for you now. Hmm. And that's when she needs me to advance. But Nicole is very bright. She normally doesn't need me to fix her problems for her. <laughs> I love that thought. I've honestly never heard that. Sorry to, sorry to interrupt. But yeah. the idea that even with any, because well, a lot of times what happens with Enneagram or any of these, we're like, I'm an eight. I'm an, And it kind of becomes this club. We're all eights or we're all threes. But really, that's not the goal. The goal is to, I love what you said, that really we should get to the point where people can't tell what we are because we're trying to 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 be a balanced human being, right? I love that. You're about to say something, Nicole. You know, th- thinking of re-leaders, and, and I know Megan mentioned she is a re-leader, but what I love about adaptive listening and how Megan as a leader has has adopted adaptive listening, yeah. I think about other leaders I've had in the past and how, you know, I am a go-getter. I'm a, I'm a self-doer. I... I if I have a problem with a colleague, for example, the first line of attack is for me to talk to that person directly. And so I I have thought of leaders where in the past, for example, I had a, a conflict with, you know, someone in the sales department and I tried to talk to them. I tried to work it out with them directly and I just exhausted all my options. So I went to my manager to say, hey, listen, this person is not pulling their weight. It's really frustrating. It's causing a lot of tension for me and the other members of the team. And that person responded with, oh, that's so hard. I'm so sorry. Hmm. 
And that was it. And I thought, well, yeah, that's what I needed in part. But what I really needed was for this person to go fix it because I I couldn't fix it on my own. (laughs) That's right. So what I love about Megan's leadership style and and how she's incorporated adaptive listening is she takes my personality and my (laughs) goals that she knows about me as a manager into account. And she says, okay, I know Nicole needs support listening right now, but I know that she's exhausted all of her options, so I have to do something else. Yeah. Um, and she's just, she's been great at that. But I think so many leaders get stuck in either yeah. this person needs my support or they need my action. Yep. There's no in between. There's no other option. It's either or. Yep. And frankly, I think people do that in interpersonal relationships either. You know, yeah. we built this purpose built for the workplace, but we have also heard many, many stories about how this has helped personal relationships as well. And so many times partners ask one another, what do you need from me right now? Do you need to vent or do you need my advice? Hmm. And that's it. Those aren't your only options, folks. Like that's not it. And sometimes it's a little bit of both. It's Guys, it's applicable in all walks, right? So I'm thinking about my wife, I've been married 20, uh, whatever years, I don't forget, 20, 23 years. And there's there are days where the advanced listener in me, every time she talks, I'm like, I got to fix this. And I've learned that most of the time she doesn't want me to fix it. She just wants me to listen, which makes no sense to an advanced listener. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to raise a teenage girl right now. And man, the emotions are high. The hormones are flaring, right? I mean, it's it's crazy town right now. And I'm always the advanced person. And I need to stop and slow down and listen for listening's sake and for emotional sake. And so, guys, this is, I mean, it's brilliant for for the business world. It's brilliant for, brilliant for all these things. But, man, it's, it's we can't be humans without listening. And so it really is applicable to every single area of our life. And a little bit ago, it was one of you, I think it was Megan, mentioned something that I had written in my notes that I saw uh, somewhere in the book is it, it talks about the listening face. And I just thought that was brilliant. And so I want to talk about the listening face for a second, um, because I think that so many times, there's a lot of things we do that make us make people think we're not listening. Stupid phones are one of them, right? If we have a phone, I saw a, a, a talk Simon Sinek did, where if we have our phone in our hand when we're talking, or if it's sitting on a desk, that it puts this separation and this barrier between us when we're talking. But our faces probably do even more So let's talk about that. Does each one of these um, listening types present a different sort of face or is it one particular one or how does that fit into this? Yeah, so I think your um, support listeners, their faces are mirrors to whoever's speaking to them. Hmm. Support listeners are very good at mirroring, which is a common technique in sales or negotiation that we teach people is you want to be the mirror of the person speaking to you. So if they are happy, you're happy. If they're sad, you're sad. If they're frustrated, you're frustrated. Hmm. The support listener's face becomes the face of the person speaking to them. So they have more of a quick um, adjustment in the affect that they're showing. And so I think that's how that that face would play out versus an advanced listener's face. <laughs> um, I am often be nice fingers on temples leaning. I lean into cameras and I'm like, this is aggressive for everybody <laughs> because I want my body and face to go forward the same way my brain is going forward. Interesting. Versus I mentioned our immersed listeners cerebrally looking out the window, going somewhere else as a way to focus. So they, they this is distracting. The screen, the cameras, the lights over here is not distracting. And now I can focus on what I'm saying because I'm immersing. Hmm. So that's a, a type of face. 
And then the last one is the discern face, which can often be a scowl or critical. It's actually advice we give people who are not discern listeners by nature, because you're going to have to sometimes discern at work. And that's hard for people. We tell them, get critical with your body and your face Hmm. because the brain body connection is real. Your brain will do what your body tells it. So get hyper focused, close off your body, get in it like you're trying to be as critical as possible if that's not your default. But our discerned listeners are often doing that um, by Nicole. Nicole and I have had multiple conversations about her face. It's happened to me. (laughs) Nicole. What? This is my resting face. What are you talking about? (laughs) 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 So so it almost appears as though, and I'm I'm making broad assumptions or, or, or statements that could be wrong, but it seems as though the support and the advance resting face or the listening face, I should say, is seemingly a little more positive at first glance versus versus the immerse and the discern, which just instinctively you're either kind of looks like you're zoning out, staring out the window, or you're scowling in disgust. So do 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 the immerse and the discern probably need to be a little more careful? Or do we all have something to learn in that face of you know, I like the instinct, and I think it's true that it can be that way for our support and advanced listeners. But as an example, I was working with a colleague who is an advanced listener who's constantly going, mm-hmm, 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 in meetings. And I'm like, back up, man. Or looking at their watch. One, yeah, in a, in a Zoom or in a virtual meeting, that audio clips, and you're cutting off the other speaker with the mm-hmm, mm-hmm, whereas face-to-face, that might show momentum, but it's too much of the nonverbal feedback of, I'm with you, let's keep moving. Guilty. So there's a way of overdoing that. Is that you? Guilty. Is that you? <laughs> I've done it this entire podcast. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Which you are doing as such a nice human. You want to show the speaker, I'm with you. I'm trying to I'm be supportive here. I'm tracking. <laughs> it's the whole goal. Uh, support listeners can overdo it. We mentioned that over-excessive cheerleading is an example. Nicole has a story of a client project she was working on. It's one in the morning. They're on site fixing the keynote for an exec who gets on the main stage the next day. And there was a project manager on the team that every change the designer made, and our designers are very good. These are minor changes. Way to go, you. That's so great. I love the way it looks. Ooh, all of that cheering was just too much for the skill level of the person who was executing the changes right then. So while it could be positive to always mirror going too much Mm. and happy or sad as a support or pushing too forward, if that's not what the person needs, can be just as problematic as looking disengaged while you immerse or looking very critical while you discern. It's all about finding the balance in all of it, right? So much of leadership is just finding balance. If you're too authoritative or if you're too passive, both extremes are bad. It's trying to find the balance. It's trying to find the balance in how we listen and how we lead. Um, it's so good. I love I love all of this. And it all just overlaps. And guys, I could talk about this for for hours, but I want to be respectful of your time and and uh, and the listeners' time. But guys, you guys, this is groundbreaking. This is really a big deal. And the I, the book, uh, I think at the time this podcast airs will have come out, but just remind me the date that the podcast, uh, I'm sorry, the date that the book comes out. January 30th. January 30th. Okay. So there's a decent chance that this podcast is is out before it's launched. So if they want to get this book, what's the best way to do it? Do you want them to go through a certain website or just to Amazon? What do you prefer? 
We have a landing page on the Duarte website that okay. links to whatever your your preferences of, of purchase locations. But okay. right now it's available on Amazon. We think Amazon is still the least expensive. Okay. So go for it. <laughs> um, but we know it's also for sale on Barnes & Noble, Target, and... Walmart is that right, Megan? I think it's Walmart as well. Yeah. So tell us. It will also be available in ebook and and audiobook as well. Awesome. So tell us real quick about Duarte. Uh, we didn't talk about that, but go ahead and tell tell our listeners about what you guys do, the organization you work for, what you guys specialize in there. Yeah, we are We're a persuasive com- communication company in the Bay Area. So over thirty years of the longest running female owned communication company wow. in the Bay. And we have two sides of our business. We have the agency side where Nicole and I work, where we meet with clients and we up-level their communication. When they have a high-impact moment, it's a pitch, it's a TED Talk, it's a sales deck. That takes some strategic thinking. And so we come in and help them shape it. We have world-class designers who build the decks or the visuals or the, the media. And then we coach them on how to get up on stage or how to show up in that virtual meeting. We have another side of the business that's the training business. That's actually where this adaptive listening methodology lives. So we do workshops and e-courses and interactive talks for larger groups of people. So you can learn how to be an adaptive listener, how to be a data storyteller, because a lot of Mm. the leaders have data that they need to get communicated. And if data moved people, we'd all already be the best people we can be. (laughs) You have to connect the data to story to really get people to, to be motivated to make that change. Or courses on how to improve the visuals for your slides or how to infuse story in any type of business communication that you're doing. So we run the gamut of any place that you would need to show up as a leader, a re-leader, an individual contributor. We want to make sure you are persuading others because that's the point of, of organizational communication, moving people from one point to another point. That's awesome. And if our follow, if our if our listeners want to follow you guys, what's the best way that they can you know, don't give your cell phone numbers out, but if they want to just follow you, what you're doing, the next work you're doing down the road, social media, whatever, where, where can they follow you guys? Yeah. Megan and I are both on LinkedIn. We are both on Instagram. We are both on Facebook and awesome. we are constantly posting about communication, listening and speaking and meetings and you name it. We talk about it so they can find us on all those platforms. That's fantastic. Guys, this is a good work. I'm I'm thankful that you did it. It's going to help a lot of leaders. It's going to help all of us get better. And uh, we're just so grateful for the work that you guys we did. We know that it took a lot of years and a lot of sweat. I, as a guy who's wrote a couple books, I know the the pain of it. So so appreciate the work you guys did there. And uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Well, to our listeners, um, thanks again for watching. Thanks again for listening. It's an honor that you would take time out of your day to be a part of this re-leader journey. Uh, like us, post us, put on, uh, mention us on your social media pages, comment on our podcast platforms. Love you guys so much. Until next time, go fix broke stuff.